0: The date is April 12th, 2004. The location, an undisclosed military hospital, somewhere in Ghana. Dr. Gary Davis is wearing a shirt and tie, and he's talking to four patients.
1: In about eight weeks, the virus will start disappearing in your blood, and your blood counts will start coming up in about 12 weeks. That's a very short, short period of time.
0: One by one, they roll up their sleeves,
1: One, One, two, three, four, husband and wife. We are trying to eliminate the virus totally from your body. That's what this medicine is about.
0: Davis has a large syringe. He plunges the needle into the first patient's arm. It takes some effort. The doctor's hands tremble as he struggles to get the liquid out. All of this is captured in a video taken by an American photographer named Doug Henderson.
1: And the syringe looked like something you'd use on a horse.
0: Doug zoomed in on this large needle, the substance inside, thick and white, like mucus an alien might cough up. The faces of the patients make it clear the process hurt even worse than it looked. Though, as far as Doug could tell at the time, the pain was worth it.
1: And within an hour or two, these people seemed to feel better, to start moving easier. by the third day, these people were just ecstatic and happy and feeling good and ready to to do stuff.
0: Within a year, these four patients who had gotten the injection would go missing. Doug would be asked to delete any record of this ever happening from the internet. And Gary Davis, the doctor behind it all, would begin to worry he too might disappear.
1: He was paranoid. Everybody was out to get him. He didn't trust anybody.
0: From WHYY's The Pulse in Philadelphia and Local Trans Media, this is Serum. I'm Grant Hill. My conversation with Rocky Thomas had revealed two big surprises. First, she admitted for the first time ever that she hadn't stolen the serum from Gary Davis to give to her daughter, Precious. She said the doctor was in on it. He was okay with Precious receiving the unapproved AIDS treatment. The second thing was that Rocky claimed she was able to get her hands on more serum long after the doctor's death, when she says her daughter's health had taken a sudden turn for the worse. If this really happened, then the serum was still out there. Somebody, somewhere had it, or was making it. Precious was still not returning my messages, so I couldn't ask her about it. Rocky would not name the person who gave the serum to her the second time, only that the serum arrived in the mail.
2: My daughter picked it up from the post office, got it to me.
0: And that whoever this person was, they were close to Davis.
1: Yeah, they they worked right side by side together.
0: I was confident the source of the serum was from Oklahoma. That was Gary Davis's home base. According to Jeff Nix, the attorney who had fought for the serum in court, Gary Davis had given the serum to more than one patient in Tulsa.
1: Gary was looking into treating busloads of people.
0: But because of the current pandemic, traveling to Tulsa to really investigate this wasn't an option at the moment. Still, I couldn't shake the question, who was making or distributing the serum? Was there some kind of underground market for it? It got me thinking about one of the news reports I watched about Precious Thomas, the most recent one that aired in 2009. Not only did it feature Rocky and Precious talking about the serum, but there was this whole other side to the story. An interview with someone who wasn't in the previous news stories, a photographer from just outside of Tulsa named Doug Henderson. As far as I could tell, he was the last person who had seen the serum in action, but the place he had seen it was thousands of miles away from home, in Africa.
2: This is an incredible as well as very controversial story.
0: And it all started with a photographer who met a Tulsa doctor in Africa.
2: Now that doctor claimed to have a cure for AIDS. In fact, the national media have covered parts of this story over the years.
0: After rewatching the clip, i had so many questions for doug henderson not just whether he knew who gave rocky more serum but about the doctor's work in africa how and why he had ended up there it seemed strange because in the years before doug met gary davis the doctor actually appeared to be making real progress at home in the u.s it was the beginning of a new millennium and what seemed like a new chapter for davis and his goat serum despite the underwhelming reaction at the nih Rocky's very public revelation that the serum had made Precious undetectable in 1998 thrust the doctor and his AIDS treatment into the spotlight, earning him a profile in the Washington Post and airtime on local TV news. Elected officials were now vowing to advocate for the serum in Washington. It all amounted to a memorandum of understanding between Gary Davis and the NIH. Researchers there were still doubtful the serum would work, but they promised to help the doctor, quote, go back to square one, run some lab tests, and see what came of it. Even Dr. Anthony Fauci, who had previously criticized the serum, was in support. This was a small but important victory for the family physician from Oklahoma. Davis had even begun speaking more freely about patients who had been treated with his serum and had seen success with it. It wasn't the type of evidence he needed to secure a clinical trial with the FDA, but he had a roadmap now. If there was ever a chance of Davis gaining legitimacy for his serum, it was then. The doctor had to make the most of his moment in the sun in the States. So again, what brought Gary Davis to Africa just four years later? What was he doing there? I was hoping Doug Henderson had an answer. How often do you get calls about this?
1: I haven't kept count, but I get one or two a year and have for a number of years here, a long time.
0: Doug wasn't surprised that I was interested in speaking with him. Thanks to that past news coverage, he receives calls from strangers every so often, wanting to know more about Davis and his serum.
1: The majority are people that the standard AIDS treatment is, is not working, and they are in a desperate situation and... To connect up with this, and, and I just don't have anything to offer them. And it's pretty heartbreaking, but that's, that's all I can say to that.
0: Doug doesn't get annoyed by these unsolicited calls. He can sympathize, not just because of what he saw in Ghana with Gary Davis. Doug's brother in law died of AIDS in 1997.
1: Well, you know, um, you would like to do something or have some ray of hope to offer these people, and I just don't. And I am not a medical person, I'm a photographer, and all I can tell you is, is what I've witnessed.
0: Doug still has trouble making sense of what exactly he witnessed in Ghana. But he does know what led him there, or rather, who led him there. A spiritual leader who was preaching at one of the biggest churches in Tulsa at the time.
2: Somebody said to me one time, I don't want to be a Christian because I've got to stop dancing. We just said, we haven't stopped dancing, we just what? Changed partners. Ha! Huh? This is Bishop Carlton
0: Pearson, a Christian minister. And if you don't run in religious circles, I can't stress this enough, he is a huge deal. Netflix turned his story into a movie.
2: That's not the God that we worship. No, that God loves us all.
0: When Carlton Pearson was young, he attended Oral Roberts University, was mentored by the famous and infamous televangelist himself. But later in life, Pearson became persona non grata in the buckle of the Bible Belt and parishes around the country. He broke from his church by preaching the gospel of inclusion, the belief that people of all faiths can go to heaven. He's charismatic and an incredibly talented singer and performer. Doug and his wife were charmed by it all, and they joined a very small group of white attendees at Carlton Services in Tulsa, a town where faith was extremely important and incredibly segregated. Here's Doug.
1: I think partly because I, you know, stuck out like a sore thumb, I ended up getting acquainted with Pearson, and we became uh, friends. And I see that, that first trip he and I took to Africa, we were over there almost a month. And you, you travel with one person for a month in a foreign country, um, you get to know them pretty well.
0: It was the spring of 2004. Carlton Pearson was scheduled to speak at a major AIDS rally in Durban, South Africa, And he had asked Doug to come along and document the trip. I reached out to Bishop Carlton Pearson. Trying to get in touch with him was like trying to call the president. I had to go through an intermediary before I was eventually connected.
2: Okay, you've spoken already to Doug Henderson.
0: Carlton Pearson told me that right before he and Doug were supposed to leave for the rally in South Africa, he got a phone call from a local doctor he hardly knew.
2: When he called me, I was out of town and it came up on my cell phone and not very many people had my private number, but I did know it was him. He had a reputation of being generous and helping people who, who don't have insurance or coverage. And he was just everybody's hero in that sense.
0: The two had met before, but it had been years since they spoke. Still, the doctor wasn't shy about why he was calling.
2: He said, I think it's the time has come. It's time for me to tell you and for you, and you can do it this information, whatever you want. But I feel like you, you need to know. And I said, what? And he said, I've, I've got a cure for AIDS, and it's important and impacting for the world. And I don't, I don't know what you will do, but I think you will know what to do when I share this with you. And so um, he kind of caught me off guard with that. I kind of had a little bit of like, sure, you and everybody else has a cure for AIDS. But since I'm going to be in the country, I'll go see you. <laughs> I didn't expect much. Carlton
0: wasn't sure where Davis was calling from, but the doctor wanted the bishop to meet him in Ivory Coast, a country in West Africa. Davis hoped Carlton could use his celebrity to help spread the word about his work. Despite his doubts, Carlton agreed, and a plan formed quickly. Carlton and his photographer Doug were to travel to South Africa for the rally, then to Davis right after. The rally went off without a hitch, but Carlton says they were not prepared for what awaited them when they landed in Ivory Coast.
2: You know, it was almost like a setup, Grant, because when I got there, they met my car with, there were soldiers and guns and crazy stuff and took me to this private getaway where he was hidden in this condo, and it was a nice condo.
0: Tensions in Ivory Coast were high. The country was nearing the end of the first Ivorian Civil War, and the HIV prevalence rate was spinning out of control. The year before, in 2003, the UN had estimated that somewhere between five to 10% of adults in the country were living with HIV or AIDS. New breakthrough treatments had dramatically reduced AIDS deaths in the United States, but those treatments and the infrastructure needed to combat HIV were not really available in sub-Saharan Africa then, where AIDS was claiming millions of lives each year. The ghosts of colonialism, Poverty and war haunted the region's response, evidenced by what Gary Davis faced at the time in Ivory Coast. Despite the ongoing conflict, the government in control at the time had arranged a deal with Davis. They would help fund development of the serum, and it was unclear to Doug and Carlton what they wanted in return. By the time the bishop and the photographer arrived at the walled-off compound where Davis had been working with the serum, the war had already impacted the project. Here's Doug.
1: Nobody can move around. You can't go anywhere to do anything. The government has; uh, they're they're still trying to restore order. So any testing or anything further is just stopped.
0: But if Gary Davis was worried about the future of the project, he didn't show it right off the bat. The doctor was pleasant, and considering you know the whole situation, he seemed like a relatively ordinary guy.
1: He was fairly uh fairly reserved. It's a shaved head and a big smile, and is. uh Oh, maybe uh, average height. He's uh, fairly stout, not, not skinny, but not fat.
0: The doctor wasn't alone either. Another American was holed up in the compound with him.
1: He had an assistant who was a fairly attractive blonde woman, which seemed flighty to me.
0: Her description matched that of the woman in the video Sherman had posted on his YouTube channel. Carlton remembers her as well.
2: There was a white woman there. She knew me and she was from Texas and she was smart and she was more vocal than he was. Sort of protecting him and his image and the whole idea. It was somewhat secretive.
0: She said her name was Linda Riviera. And Doug says she was a staunch believer in Davis and the serum.
1: She was so convinced of this cure's validity that she left everything to... Come help Dr. Davis. She said that even her father had became ill and died, and she had not been able to even go to the funeral because she was in in Africa with Dr. Davis.
0: Gary Davis and Linda briefed them on the project and some new results they had just received.
1: They got some reports back, some lab reports. And the way that they told the story the government had given them 100 military people who had tested positive for HIV various stages to try this serum on. And that here were the results, and it was a stunning success, and everything was great, and see here are all the numbers. The evidence they were presenting meant absolutely nothing to Pearson or me. We don't have nothing to gauge any of that, by.
0: But the news meant a lot to the doctor and his assistant.
1: She was ecstatic to the point of, of tears at this. And, and Dr. Davis was um, was smiling somewhat, uh, maybe even a little smug. He, he said he, he knew it would do this, and that he wasn't surprised at all. Oh, okay.
0: Over the next few days there, Davis told them about his dream from God, and explained how the serum worked with a PowerPoint presentation and crude computer animations. Here's Carlton.
2: He just broke it down. He was witty and funny and he, he he was drinking a lot. He was drunk most of the time, to be honest with you.
0: This was the first time I heard that Gary Davis had a problem with alcohol. But as far as Carlton could tell, at this point in the doctor's life, His drinking didn't seem to be making much of a difference. After all, he just received remarkable results from testing the serum on military people.
2: He could talk very soberly and very direct, and I was pretty intrigued with his mind. But there was a sense that that things could suddenly end.
0: Something was not right. Davis pulled Carlton aside.
2: He just opened up to me as if he thought he was going to die and or be killed and he wanted to pass this on to me. He said that the John Gaudy of, of of London or Britain was after him and he said that that everybody wanted this and the government was afraid and Fauci didn't want the news out. He actually called Doctor Fauci while I was there and there was this real verbal, profane conversation, a lot of cursing and anger and um He was convinced that Fauci had no intentions of ever making the cure available to people, just the treatment.
0: While the doctor seemed afraid, Carlton said Davis wasn't totally consumed by his fears. Like the drinking, he was able to work through it all. His problem was that the Civil War was threatening to shut his work down completely. Carlton and Doug couldn't do anything about that. But they could try to find backers in a more hospitable research environment.
1: We left to our our next connection, which was in Ghana.
0: The two had planned on visiting Ghana after their brief stop to see Davis. Carlton, the jet-setting bishop he is, had friends there and connections with influential people. He wanted to make the most of his time in the region. But now, he and Doug had another reason to fly across the border to see if politicians in Ghana had any interest in bringing Davis and his serum over, too. They flew to the capital of Accra. Carlton still remembers the reception they got.
2: And I, to this day, I don't know why media came to meet my plane and were asking me questions, why did I come to the city? And I said I came with good news, but it's not the normal gospel of Jesus Christ to save people. I, I'm aware of a, a possible cure to AIDS. And then that went crazy throughout the country.
0: Estimates at the time projected that up to about half a million people in Ghana were living with HIV. So the enthusiasm made a whole lot of sense. Here's Doug.
1: And they treated us like royalty. We breezed right through customs. They're just treating us wonderfully, put us up in an incredibly nice place uh, there on the beach.
0: Carlton and Doug immediately shared their story of Davis and his promising treatment with one of Carlton's connections.
1: He made some phone calls. And he got us an audience with John Kufer, which is the president of Ghana at the time. And in the middle of the night, we, which uh, to the presidential palace, waited outside until this caravan of, of motorcycles and military trucks and limousines came in. And then they brought us in and searched us and searched all our stuff.
0: They were taken to a meeting room inside the presidential palace. Doug shared the photos he took of this moment with me. Carlton smiling wide in his gray suit and pink shirt, and President Kufor looking soberly at the camera. Here's Carlton on his meeting with the president.
2: He was very excited when, I, when he found that we had a cure to AIDS. He just stood up, he was just so energized about it. He said, I'm in charge of the region. I've got to, this is fantastic news.
0: But bringing Gary Davis to Ghana meant getting him out of Ivory Coast, leaving behind his compound and the people who had supported his work there and were banking on his serum.
1: It was understood that if the government of Cote d'Ivoire realized that he was leaving with all they had invested in him, they wouldn't let him go. The fact that we were able to sweep him out late at night was, was fairly remarkable.
0: Late at night. Davis and Linda, his assistant, snuck out of the compound with all their paperwork and about a dozen vials of his serum in a briefcase and hightailed it to the airport. Somehow, possibly thanks to some backdoor dealing, Doug tells me, Davis secured two tickets on the last commercial flight out of Ivory Coast into Accra.
1: A day or two later, we were taken to the only military hospital in Accra.
0: Doug says they were greeted by a three-star general and the director of one of the largest hospitals in the city, Dr. Susu Kwawakume. Everybody calls her
1: Dr. Susu.
0: Once Davis arrived, things started to move fast.
1: They brought us four people that were infected with AIDS. There was a couple, I believe, in about their 30s. There was a man in his 40s. There was, a, I believe, a sergeant in the Ghanaian military. And we, Dr. Davis, interviewed them, talked to them. Uh, They seemed to be obviously sick. Nobody looked well, talked well, acted well, moved easily. Um, The one man had the uh, lesions on his skin, on his legs, as people in a fairly advanced age sequence have. They took, you know, vital signs and all this, and Dr. Susu was, was watching this, and, uh, and I recorded the thing and uh, videotaped and all that. And then Dr. Davis pulled out these, uh, these big vials, and they brought him uh, hypodermic needles. The needle was huge. This serum was kind of a, a thick, gray liquid. And they gave each one of these people a fairly large amount of of this serum. It was very thick and it was very difficult to get in. It was obviously very painful. And within an hour or two, these people seemed to feel better, to start moving easier. One of the guys asked if they could get something to eat. And so that was just dandy. And then we did essentially the same thing the second day and the third day. And by the the third day, these people were just ecstatic and happy and feeling good and ready to to do stuff and and were eating better and talking stronger and everything else did not have this lethargic malaise to them that uh, they seemed to have before. Now, all of this is real suspicious to me.
0: Remember, Doug knew what HIV could do to the human body. He saw his brother-in-law go into that tunnel and never come out. The idea that Gary Davis's serum, this dreamed up Hail Mary from a family physician who lived mere minutes from his home in Oklahoma, could reverse that process so quickly seemed just too good to be true.
1: Within an hour and a half of the first injection, they're, they're better from something like AIDS, and in three days, there, the word we got from Doctor Susu was their their viral count was dropping and their T cells were climbing, and this is just all wonderful and great. And and okay, so that's that's really really suspicious to me. I'm I'm a skeptic of this deal.
0: Doug couldn't believe his eyes or what his camera was capturing. But everybody else around him, including the patients, were celebrating. And according to the ostensibly impartial health officials on the scene, the test results confirmed it was all really happening. The patients were recovering.
1: This Dr. Sousa had never met Davis or Riviera or myself or Pearson ever before. She had no connection. She had no skin in the game either way.
0: Ghanaian officials had seen enough. Carlton says a company was formed. He was going to be a majority owner, along with Dr. Davis. He says the thought was that this new serum might attract more respect locally if it came from Americans. And Doug and Carlton say it seemed to work. The Ghanaian government promised to provide Davis with a research facility, a lab, goats and land. Doug planned to help too.
1: The decision was made to not even mess with the FDA, the CDC, or any trials or anything in the U.S. The idea was that I would set up a website and it would be sold to the internet, online, and this would be just a win-win-win situation. It would be a huge Coup for Ghana is bringing this cure to the world that all of the money and brilliance of the United States and Europe had been unable to conquer. And, you know, this this was just a great deal. Everything sounded wonderful.
0: Almost too wonderful. Carlton questioned if all of it was as spontaneous as it seemed.
1: There were certain
2: things that were synchronicities that I would not have expected to this if somebody else knew something I didn't know. But the, the equivalent to their Surgeon General met with me, and the head of the Noguchi Institute met with me, said to me, to my face, why did you wait so long? This stuff works. Where have you been? We've been dying over here. He was almost angry.
0: But the most common emotion among officials, according to Doug and Carlton, was joy.
2: It was a government-sanctioned uh, experiment, and everything seemed great. The president was happy. The patients were happy. The brigadier general was happy. So I left the country feeling pretty good that they would carry on and do the labs and start breeding goats and things like that.
0: Carlton and Doug flew back to the U.S. with plans of returning when the serum was ready for launch. Doug would periodically check in from home, see how it was all going. But over time back in Oklahoma, that skepticism he first felt in Ghana returned.
1: I was able to stay in contact with Dr. Susu, um, but I never really got straight answers out of her like I wanted.
0: What were you asking her?
1: How are these people doing, and and what what documentation have you got of it? What what is their viral count? These things, and she she would just say, "Oh, don't worry, they're fine. They're doing well. Um, don't worry, it's okay."
0: You were looking for this information as you were kind of preparing to set up this this website? Yes. Were you worried about setting up this website without approval from the FDA?
1: Well, let me put it this way. Out of everybody I've described to you, I was the most skeptical of the bunch. I was the closest thing there was to breaks on this. Um, But if what information I could get, everybody was saying this was working wonderfully.
0: Carlton was already working on his speech to announce the release of the serum, which he planned to give in Accra.
2: We were ready to make the announcement on the steps of the Noguchi Institute, and I was tying it in with the slaves coming from West Africa, you know, from Ghana and coming over here, and now a, a son of a slave comes back and brings a cure. Dr. Davis was going to be like the Joseph coming back home to the homeland and feeding or taking care of his own people. And that's when I found Dr. Davis. He had freaked out. He'd gone through some kind of crazy mental trauma.
0: Doug says someone working with Gary Davis in Ghana called him out of the blue one day and begged him and Carlton to come back. There was a problem with the doctor. So they got on a plane to Accra.
2: I get back, they take me from the airport to a restaurant. Dr. Davis happens to be in the restaurant. And I thought, what's he doing here? Nobody knew I was coming
1: here. And there were some men around him. Get a great big bodyguard with him. Uh, Dr. Davis did not look well before he looked Stout and healthy and confident and strong. And now he would seem to have lost weight. He looked haggard and thin. He was almost frantic. That's when he was talking
2: real loud and and we had to get him out of the restaurant. We couldn't even have a decent conversation with him.
1: He was very angry. He was talking 90 miles an hour. You'd say he's close to crazy. He's the sort of person you see standing on the street corner shouting things.
0: It was nighttime. The restaurant was inside a hotel. So Carlton took Dr. Davis away from the upscale crowd inside and walked him outdoors near the hotel pool. Davis paced around it in circles as Carlton tried to keep up.
2: He was inconsolable and uncontrollable. He was... He was paranoid. It's like on drugs.
0: To be clear, Carlton doesn't know if Davis was actually on drugs or not. But Doug tells me by then, the doctor's drinking had gotten worse. And now, Davis seemed transfixed by his fears,
1: beyond paranoid. And of what he told us, uh, he believed that the big pharmaceuticals were trying to kill him. He believed that Donna's government was trying to steal his idea, that other people were trying to steal his his serum. He said that uh, mysteriously, the lab and the uh, living quarters he had had, it had been a fire, and uh, he just barely got out with his life. And uh, this is real mysterious how this fire started. He was yelling out,
2: who's that? Put it put in! Put it That kind of thing.
1: It's like somebody injected him with
2: something and he was totally freaked out and mm-hmm. cursing real loud. I was so disillusioned by the way he was carrying on that night. And I felt somebody had thrown a wrench in the deal. He already told me that if anything happened to him. It was these people in different parts of the world. Cause he just kept running from these people that were out to get him. I just read between the lines that they had gotten to him or were getting to him and they wanted this cure they wanted to own the cure and they were doing what they could to either stop it or own it.
1: And Pearson just just letting him talk, letting him decompress, trying to, you know, just ask questions and reassure him. But Davis just got wound up tighter and tighter and tighter and finally stormed off in a huff.
0: The next day, Doug and Carlton visited a Ghanaian health official at the University of Accra, who reassured them that everything was going well despite Davis's breakdown the night before. They hadn't seen the doctor since.
1: He told us that this was all working, the tests were coming in good, and everything was great. Now, this is the closest I've had to something I would consider to be verifiable, unbiased
0: report. Carlton asked if the serum was ready for prime time, ready for the big launch.
2: I didn't want to announce it to the world until I knew it was proven to be effectual. And this man said this. We've done this before. This is the first time we've seen anything even close to it. This works. And I said, so you're ready for us to announce it because we want to announce it from Ghana and make it a big African thing.
0: The two were reassured the project was moving along as planned. There were just a few wrinkles that needed to be ironed out before any big official announcement. But other people Carlton and Doug talked to in Ghana expressed serious concern.
1: We got from other people we talked to that Davis had become increasingly difficult to work with. Uh, I saw the lab that had been built for him, these healthy goats. So all, all of this was happening was moving forward.
0: Doug asked Dr. Susu at the hospital about the four people who had been treated with the serum, you know, the ones he captured in the video. Where were they? How were they doing? Dr. Susu seemed to be hedging a bit.
1: She told me that, you know, well, we, you know, it was a real stigma to have have AIDS in that country, and so these, these people that had AIDS, that had received the treatment, and were now doing fine, they, they didn't want to come back and talk anymore because they, they didn't want to be seen as, as having age. Uh, and we were told that one of the men worked in, uh, had worked in the mines and that he had gone to back to work in the mines and was killed in a mining accident.
0: The other participants seemed to have vanished, too. Doug and Carlton never saw any of them again.
2: They just deteriorated after that. When the doctor was that... That paranoid the night before, I knew something was wrong.
0: Doug and Carlton left Ghana shortly after, more confused than ever, unsure about the future of the serum and the future of its inventor. They still hadn't seen Gary Davis since he stormed off from the hotel pool.
1: Uh, Sometime after that, I got a call.
0: Coming up, things take an even more dramatic turn in Ghana. The doctor disappears. And so does the evidence from the trials.
2: Do you recall that research? Excuse me, do I recall it? Yes.
0: That's still to come on Serum. This is Siram, I'm Grant Hill. Photographer Doug Henderson returned to the States after witnessing some erratic behavior from Dr. Gary Davis in Ghana. Then, at home, Doug says he got a call. It was that Ghanaian health official again, the one who showed Carlton and Doug that glowing report during their second visit. Now, he wanted Doug to erase everything he had documented from the Internet, from his personal photography website including any evidence that the serum had been tried on people there.
1: He had seen some pictures that I had put on my website, and he was demanding that these pictures be taken down because the Ghanaian government did not do experiments of unlicensed, untested drugs on on people, to which I said... Yes, they do. Here's the documentation to prove it. Uh, he further said that Dr. Davis's stuff did not work and that this was all a big lot of nothing. And I responded, this is not what you told us when we were there.
0: Doug refused. Then, a little while later, he got another call. This one from Dr. Susu, someone he says made a good faith effort to help the doctor in Ghana. He says Dr. Susu called in tears, begged him to take down the photos, said her medical license was on the line.
1: Sometime after that, I eventually took them down.
0: You can see evidence of this backtracking from officials in Ghanaian news stories. I looked through a lot of them, dating from 2004 to 2005. At first, the media reports endorse the serum as a ray of hope and urge government officials to invest in it. The coverage stays positive. One report in September of 2005 even said the serum had proven to be effective in tests. But just two days after that story was published, health officials start debunking the serum in other news outlets, saying tests were only preliminary and only done in goats. One official is quoted saying, we are nowhere near human trials. Then, in November 2005, The Ghana AIDS Commission releases a public statement on the goat serum issue, and very weirdly, it's written as if it is co-signed by the FDA, as in the Food and Drug Administration from the United States. It says that Davis and his supporters believed that back in the U.S., the FDA had withdrawn permission for the doctor to conduct human trials, quote, due to prejudice and pressure from the pharmaceutical industry when, in fact, the scientific tests that would support such an approval had not been done, The statement denies that any human trials with the serum took place in Ghana, at least not a trial with official government support. It says, quote, The Ghana AIDS Commission and the FDA hope this statement will make it clear to all Ghanaians who believe in our laws and the truth that the two agencies had been doing their work faithfully. That the use of HIV AIDS patients as guinea pigs for the testing of a drug which had not been approved in its country of origin and which had not undergone preclinical studies and production is a violation of the laws which cannot be tolerated. Remember, both Doug and Carlton told me Ghanaian government officials actively supported testing on human subjects. Doug captured these tests on video. In their statement, Ghanaian officials acknowledge that the video exists, but they say those tests Doug captured were unsanctioned. And the photos of Carlton Pearson and President Kufor, just a snapshot from a preliminary meeting. The statement claims the evidence Davis provided for his serum was, quote, totally inadequate, though admits that one of the nation's most prestigious medical research institutes agreed to work with Davis anyway, that they would collaborate. And from here, things just get stranger. The statement claims in the evidence Davis submitted, he said the serum proved to be effective with one patient in the US. The statement doesn't name this patient, but at this point, the only person treated with the serum who had come forward publicly in the States was Precious Thomas, and her viral load was confirmed to be undetectable by NIH researchers. Thanks to that, Precious Thomas was the doctor's best evidence that the serum might work. It can't be known for sure, but most likely, Precious was the patient this statement was referring to. So that's why I was shocked when I saw what came next. The statement claims there was, quote, no scientific evidence. This unnamed U.S. patient really had AIDS. Now. It's one thing to be skeptical as to whether the serum alone saved Precious. That's totally valid. But that's not what this statement says. Instead, it casts doubt on whether this US patient actually had AIDS. If this patient really was Precious, this makes no sense. At the very least, Precious really had HIV. That's the whole reason she was being monitored by the NIH in the first place. And then, There's this.
2: Plano, Texas. Good morning. Good morning.
0: A clip from May 9th, 2005. C-SPAN had 40 minutes of airtime where anyone from the public could call and ask Dr. Anthony Fauci, head of the NIAID, anything. Anything at all.
1: Dr. Fauci, I understand that you were uh, involved in reviewing some of the early research by Dr. Gary Davis of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Do you recall that research?
0: Excuse me, do I recall it? Yes. So someone from Plano, Texas dials in, asks if Dr. Fauci remembers looking at Gary Davis's research early on.
2: Yes, it was the uh, use of anti goat anti against HIV uh, that was claimed to have a positive impact on developing, getting people to have a major decrease in their viral load. Exactly. Right.
0: Then he asks about recent clinical trials with the serum in Africa.
1: I understand the clinical trials in Africa were good, and right. it does drop the viral load to zero and that yeah. would be what the definition of a cure, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah, with all due respect, they were not successful. We scrutinized the data, and although conceptually it's a reasonable idea to use anti it it does not work in a practical way for people with HIV. Are there a lot of cures out there? Yes, yes. And, you know, whenever you have a devastating disease in which there's despair among some people, and which people run out of options with drugs, you will always, and I guess it's human nature, have claims of cures of whatever mechanism. And that's the reason why you've got to look at these. Uh,
0: Fauci seems to say that Gary Davis's clinical trials in Africa were unsuccessful, that he and his team, quote, scrutinized the data. My question is, the data from what? Davis was never approved for a clinical trial in the States. And, according to the statement from the Ghana AIDS Commission and the FDA, no legitimate trials took place in Ghana. I couldn't find any evidence that official trials with the serum had been published in any other country in Africa. So what exactly was scrutinized? Anthony Fauci still was unavailable to answer my questions about the serum. So I reached out to the FDA. All I wanted to know was if the agency was truly involved in that statement released by the Ghana AIDS Commission, if they really had a hand in crafting it as the statement seems to imply. The agency refused to answer my question. Instead, they provided me with links to their website on health fraud scams. I said, thank you, I appreciate that, but can someone answer my question about the FDA's involvement in the statement? No response. So, I tried to reach the Ghanaian health officials mentioned in these articles, including Dr. Susu Kwawakume, the public health director Doug remained in contact with. The person Doug says begged him to take down the photos of the trials on his website. She's now the chief medical director of a hospital in Accra. Month after month, I check in with the hospital, see if she was available to talk. And month after month, I was told by the hospital that she was on indefinite leave. So after all that hype, all the hope, things had fizzled out for reasons that weren't clear. The project was dead in the water. And Doug and Carlton had no clue where Davis was. But there were tons of rumors.
1: We heard he went to China. We heard he went to other places. Nobody seemed to know where he went. That seemed to kind of be a pattern that somebody, some companies, some millionaire would would want to invest in this thing, and they would get this contract already. and at the last minute, Dr. Davis would not want to sign it. And the whole thing would fall apart.
0: Then, about two years after they last saw Davis, Doug and Carlton got the news. The doctor was dead. He had passed away in Tulsa.
1: And then that he was uh, found dead in his home by his son, being natural causes. Uh, I believe he had a heart condition. I also understand he had uh, may have been addicted to painkillers because of uh, severe back problems he had.
0: Carlton tried to figure out how Davis had died.
2: And they, I said, well, what happened? Was it a stroke? I think they said he had a stroke. And I could understand that he might have had one because he was on all that heavy drinking and drugs and stuff. But I just heard he had a stroke and suddenly died. There was no explanations. They didn't tell. Nobody seemed to know or even where he was when it
0: happened. Others were asking questions, too, including some bombshell ones. Here's Doug.
1: I did later get a call from uh, someone who explained that he was Dr. Davis's nephew and that it was real close to him and that um, none of, no one in his family had ever seen a body or went to a funeral, and they believed Davis was still alive and in hiding.
0: Doug didn't believe this. He thought Davis was really dead. Carlton was approached by this person, too. He came
2: to the church three or four different times on days that when I was going to speak and tried to see me, and arrangements, I think, had been made for him to, to talk to me. I don't know what happened that it didn't happen. He still comes around and uh, or calls and says, "I just uh, he what he's the nephew he wanted to meet with me personally." I knew it was something related to the death and the treatment. So, and I'm not sure what happened and why he. If I gave my approval. I said I'll meet with him hmm. right there on the church grounds.
0: And you and he still to this day he's he expresses interest.
2: Yes, uh, he wants to he wants to tell me something.
0: I spoke to someone who said they're still in contact with people who worked with Davis on the serum, and someone who was given the serum. And they said that since his death, they they have provided this person the serum. Yes. Do you know anything about this? Or or of this happening? Well, I've
2: heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of it. Um, He named some people that he had been helping for years. Somebody out in San Francisco would fly in here. I don't remember who it was and what the connection was but there were several people he did tell me that he'd been treating some people for years and one or two of them i think i knew i don't remember who they were but i felt comfortable with that because he's known for being generous they didn't pay him anything you know he didn't charge them anything they would give him something
1: he said
0: so that would mean that the people that he's working with someone is still out there Making the serum and or, you know, providing it to people in need. Have you heard of this still happening even since his death?
2: No, I know that the lady that was with him was aware of the, the uh, ingredients of the technique. She sat there during the lecture and she'd heard it many times.
0: That person was Linda Riviera, the doctor's assistant in Ivory Coast in Ghana. I had seen her in videos with Davis, in news reports.
2: In most cases, if something sounds too good to be true, it usually is. However, I was there and I totally witnessed this, and it is very, very real.
0: Sometimes she's referred to as Linda Wilmez, but it's the same woman. Carlton believed she knew how to make the serum. Maybe she knew what happened to Davis, too.
1: I spoke to her a time or two. I sent her copies of the pictures.
0: Doug kept in touch with her briefly, but he didn't know where she was now, or
1: how to contact her either. She goes by several names. How's that for suspicious?
0: Doug was obviously wary of Linda, but I wanted to speak with her myself, and eventually I did. We had a couple of preliminary discussions on the phone with plans on recording for the podcast once she was comfortable. She was very sweet and generous with her time. She confirmed the things Doug and Carlton had told me about Ivory Coast and Ghana and added in some of her own very interesting stories about her time with Davis abroad. And yes, she believed Davis was really dead. Then, suddenly, for whatever reason, Linda's opinion of me and my interest in Davis soured. She told me she wasn't interested in talking anymore, and stopped responding to me. If Linda knew who was out there, still making or storing the serum, she was not going to tell me. Could it be her doing this herself? Doug didn't seem to think so.
1: She did not seem to have any kind of medical training. Uh, and She claimed at one time that Dr. Davis had taught her how to make the serum and and she could reproduce it. My knowledge, that never happened.
0: Doug didn't have a whole lot of answers when it came to Davis outside of what he experienced firsthand. He didn't know how Davis died. He didn't know who gave Rocky more serum after his death. And he didn't really know if the serum even worked as it appeared to during the trials he witnessed. When it comes to the goat doctor, he gave up looking for answers a long time ago.
1: I have told you, to the best of my knowledge, what I saw. Now, my interpretation of this or what was factual, uh, I, I guess you, you have to figure some of that out. It's it's frustrating to me that if this is real, this should be reproducible, it should be documented somewhere. If it's not, well, that should be told also. But I'm, I'm not a, a medical person that I could judge any of this either way. There's, there's plenty of red flags, but then there's some green lights also. So I wish you the best of luck in figuring it out.
0: Next time on Serum, I get the green light to finally make the trip to Oklahoma to meet the people who were closest to the doctor.
2: They looked at him as a man of color as being a threat because of his knowledge that he knew.
0: And I get closer to the truth about what really happened to Gary Davis.
1: When I looked at his death certificate for the first time a year ago, It said, contributing cause of death was malnutrition. And that's a joke.
0: Serum is a production of WHYY's The Pulse and Local Transmedia. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Serum Podcast. Our engineer is Charlie Kyer. Serum is produced and edited by Mike and Scott, with additional editing from Liz Tung and Jad Slayman, and support from Lindsay Lazarski and Nicole Curry. It's written and reported by me, Grant Hill. Serum was made possible in part with support from the Commonwealth Fund. Original music for this podcast was produced by me and Brandon Tomei. Our artwork was created by Michael Danley, graphic design by Myth Partners in Philadelphia. Special thanks to Mary Purcell, Joe Cashman, and the Hill family for their support.